Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So what I wanted to, to share with you today is, is, is about this journey of life that we're all on. Um, and we all have this this life journey that we're going through, and this is one stop this week today on your journey. And, and the beautiful thing about that is that we can all come together in this place, and we can share with one another, we can encourage one another, um, we can bear one another's burdens in this place, um, and we can, we can petition for one another um, and, and raise those petitions to heaven. And if, and if you're a Christian and you profess to be a Christian, then the destination is the same. We're, we're not really on the path somewhere in this world so much as we are on a path out of this world. Is that heaven is our home and we, we are visitors here in this land and ultimately that's where we're all wanting to go, striving to go, working to go. And there's a promise attached to that in the word that says that, that if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, if we repent before God, then heaven is our home. And so we, we all have the same destination in mind, the same destination that's at the, the end of our journey. But does that mean that we really walk together? And what does it mean to really walk together? You see, if you take two people and they're going to walk together, one, they have to be going the same place. And so the destination has to be the same. But inevitably, there are multiple ways to get to that destination. And for them to walk together, it means they not only have to agree on the destination, but they have to agree on, on the path they're going to take. And, and so it's, it's the, the destination and the direction. And so this is, this is the piece I want to really bring out, is that, is that there, are, there are countless directions that we can go. If you and I are going to go to Myers, we're going to go get in our car or we're going to walk, and that alone is a decision that we need to make, right? But even once we get in our car and we decide what direction that, that we might want to go, right? Some prefer highways, some prefer back roads. Some don't want to get stuck at that light, right? Some don't want to go across the railroad tracks, you know, because it's rough on the car or whatever. Some people avo avoid that road with potholes. Not around here. We don't avoid the roads with potholes because they all have potholes, but, but we could all leave here, and, and inevitably all of us could go a different direction to get to Myers. But if we're smart, and we come together, and we agree on the destination, and we agree that, that we're going to travel together, then one of us would consult someone who knows a little bit more. And some of them know this as Siri, some of them know it as Google, Right? But we can very easily nowadays just look on our phones and, and look at the route that we desire to take, and we can look and see if there's any issues on that path, right? We can pull up the map and go, oh, it's green, green. Uh-oh, we got a little red spot right here, right? We want to make sure we avoid that. Or probably more likely we got the little orange construction sign, right? And that's probably on every path right now. We'll talk about it more later, but Nathaniel and I, we took a trip this week and every place is under construction. There, there was no place that was not under construction. We saw more orange cones than we saw cars on the way. 
I mean, uh, it's just amazing how many orange cones there are. And, and if you have stock in whoever makes those orange cones, you are sad. Let me just put it that way. But we want to consult someone who knows a little bit more than we do about that journey, about that path that we desire to take. Because if, if, if we don't consult someone who knows a little bit more than we do, someone who knows what's on that path, then we could find, up, find ourselves going down a path and getting stuck. Last night, Becky and I were going home, and, and I told her, I said, before we get on the highway, someone said that there was a bridge closed or something, and the highway might be backed up. And that was earlier in the day that I heard that. But, you know, they, don't, they just don't close and open bridges, you know, well, downtown, you know, they have the drawbridge, but, but this was construction. And so I said, before we get on the highway, let's check. So we, we pull up the map, and <laughs> Becky doesn't do the research that I do. Um, you know, she's, she's much more spontaneous than I am. I'm like, okay, what path are we taking, you know? All right, yeah, we don't want to go. We want to avoid downtown. We want to go Second Street, right, not First Street, right? And I look at all those details before we, we take off. And not that, like, 30 minutes later it's going to be the same, but it could be. But, but I like to consult the maps. And they give you the traffic, and they give you the warnings, and they tell you where the construction is, and they tell you where the speed traps are, and they tell you where the road's closed, and where traffic's backed up, and where the slowdowns are. And so going to Google or Siri for traveling around here allows us to go to someone who is smarter than we are, who knows more than we are, than we do. Proving the point right there with my grammar. Right? And we can avoid getting stuck. And so... That's what I want to talk about today is avoiding getting stuck. And we do that through the guidance and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 38. And this is Peter, and he says this. He says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all like to receive gifts? Yeah, two of you, three of you, okay, maybe a few more. The rest of you, don't expect anything. You five, I got you covered, okay? But this is a gift from God. And what is, what is the gift for, right? It's, it's to enrich our lives. It's, to, to, it's something that he does out of kindness. A gift isn't given out of obligation. That's payment, right? You don't get to the cashier and go, here's, here's 40 bucks for you, right? Maybe you do, good for you. Bless you if you do. I'm sure the cashier appreciates it. But right, we bring our stuff up there, and now we're obligated to pay for our stuff, right? But this is a gift, and gifts are given under no obligation. They're, they're given because they love you. They're given because they, they want to enrich your life. They're given because they want to show that 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 giving heart that they have towards you. And so this is a gift, and this is also a promise, verse 39. This promise is to you, to your children, and those far away, meaning the Gentiles, meaning the world. And this is what Peter is saying. This is, this is you know, this is Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has just come, and Peter recognizes what it's for. Immediately knows what it's for. And Christ has kind of preempted them, and he's told them that this comforter will come, this advocate will come, and Peter immediately says, we receive it, and now I want to share that. I want to let you know that you can all receive that gift this morning. 
If the Holy Spirit hasn't touched your life, if, if that gift hasn't been received, that is a free gift for you today. And the scripture is plain right here. Each of you repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit? Let's look at John 16, verses 5 through 7. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, but now I'm going away. So this precedes the earlier verse. He says, now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. I thought that's interesting. Wouldn't you like to be there and Jesus saying he's going away and, and no one's asking him where he's going? Isn't that interesting? Instead, you're grieved. I'd be grieved if Jesus was leaving me too. After I'd walked with him, after I'd seen him do miracles, after I've seen him heal the blind, heal the sick. After he's done things that's changed my life that I can never go back on, I can never unsee it, unexperience it. And here Jesus is saying, I've got to go. And I guess a part of me would say that wherever you go, I'm going. It don't matter where you're going, but I'm going with you. You see, but Jesus knew that he was going to a place they couldn't go. And maybe they had it made up in their mind that they were just going to follow him. And that probably worked out pretty good until he started to lift off the ground. And then they started searching for ropes to lasso his ankle or something. I don't know. But they weren't asking where he was going, but they were grieved because of what he said. But I love this. He says, but in fact. He says, you grieve now, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. He says, because if I go, if I don't go, then the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So this advocate they talk about in the scripture, if you look at that word advocate in the Greek, that's paraclete. And if you look at the definition of paraclete, it, it, it has so much richness in the Greek language. It, it can be termed the helper. And some of your Bible verses might even say that I will send the helper. Right? But it also means counselor. And this is not lay down on the bench, you know, tell him how you feel and he's going to help you sort things out. It's not the type of counselor it is. This is a legal counselor. This, this is when, when, if you go into court in, in, in the States anyway, and you sit on the bench, your lawyer that is sitting next to you is called your counselor. And you see that counselor has a certain role and obligation to you in that when you're in court, and they're discussing things that you have been accused of. And they want you to respond to that. Your counselor, and you guys have all seen this, where, where a question will be asked, and they, they have this little, you know, this little sidebar, right? And, they, and it goes on, and they go back and forth, and then the answer is no. And it's like, what did they talk about, <laughs> you know? Why did they take five minutes to answer no? But that's, that's the counselor. And, and that to me was so rich when I, when I stumbled across this and when I heard that, it suddenly opened up so many other things. Because this counselor is not one to help you sort out your feelings. It's, and, and, and the Holy Spirit might do that. It might help you with that. And I would think just like a legal counselor would stand there, put his arm around you and go, I know it's tough. I know we're going through a difficult time. 
But let me share with you that, that if we take this legal move, if we say this, if we plead this way, right, then, then we have a better outcome. And so this counselor in, in the Holy Spirit, I can imagine now knowing the legality of God's law, knowing the punishments of sin. And can you imagine walking through life with this counselor who is always with you, who the promise says is deposited in your life? When you get to the point where you're going to be tempted, when, when the, the tempter is going to come and put something before you and you have a decision, and suddenly it makes a lot more sense that the Holy Spirit is over there going, um, you know you could go to court for this. My advice to you would be to walk away. My advice would be to turn and run from this situation. And you see that, that we have legal counsel who walks with us, who walks with us in every situation, in every day of our life, in every challenge we face, in every temptation, we have legal counsel that if we will stop and consult our legal counsel and have the little sidebar discussion, that our legal counsel will tell us how to get out. The text says that, that the Lord will provide a way of escape. And I can so see the Holy Spirit going, yep, yeah, you want to slow down right here because <laughs> you'll get a ticket, right? You want to avoid this situation. You want to leave this relationship. You want to, right, bless them and go. Because if you, if you stay here, right, if you don't make a change, if you stand here in this audience, you are going to be in a situation that you can't get out of later. The accuser is going to come and be able to put something on you, and you are going to have that hanging over you, and then we've got to get you out of that. And so this counselor, this legal counselor, if you will, walks with us through every circumstance and every situation, providing us that little voice that says, yeah, it's not a good idea. Uh, you need to leave that alone. And so he's a counselor. He needs a helper. And what's the point of all the counseling? What's the point of all the helping? 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9. And it says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Be careful of your thinking. Be careful of looking at circumstances and situations and thinking God won't notice. It's a little sin. God sees all, knows all. Nothing escapes the record. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes who practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't think that's a full and exhaustive list, but you can probably put a lot of things under all those. Some of you were once like that, amen? But you were cleansed and you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Thank God in heaven. 
that he knows how to do laundry. Thank God he can get stains out, that he can wash you whiter than snow. Thank God that there's no stain remaining, that, that when you come to God and you repent of your sins and you ask him to be Lord of your life, that you are washed completely clean. And then the hard work begins of staying clean. And one of my favorite verses, and I don't have it here, I believe it's in 2 Peter, he says, you have everything you need to lead a righteous life by coming to know him. You are fully equipped. You lack nothing to live a righteous life if you will put in the work and get to know Jesus Christ. But it is through the Spirit that we're transformed into the new creation. It is that indwelling of the Spirit that lives and grows inside of us. It is by that Spirit, that counselor speaking in every situation in our life, that aligns our will with his way. It is essentially God's GPS system, if you want to think of it that way. God's positioning system. I just made that up. It's the Holy Spirit. If we will listen to it, if we will follow the leading of the Spirit, every situation, every time that we come up to a construction zone, every time we come up to to a roadblock, every time we come up to one of those temptations, if we will stop and listen to that little voice, and if we will train our ear to hear that little voice, and I hope it doesn't say recalculating, But it'll say, turn here. Go this way. There's a slowdown up ahead. You might choose an alternate route. But it is by the Spirit, the counselor speaking, that we're able to let go of the carnal world, let go of what we see, let go of of the, the poor decisions that we might make in and of ourselves. And if we'll listen to that little voice that will guide us through so that we live sanctified and holy. You see, we've we've got to let go of self. We've got to let let go of our desires. We've got to let go of what what we may see and what, what our eyes might tell of the circumstance. And we've got to put our faith into action. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the, the situation that I run into so frequently, and it, and it drives me nuts, and I keep missing it, and I, and I keep going, okay, next time I'm going to get it. And it's a silly little thing where I go through my routine in the morning, and I go over to my uh, 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 bedside table there where I've got my wallet, my keys, and all that, and I open it up, and I look in there, and I go, okay, I'm going to need my wallet. I'm going to need my car keys, and it's like, I'm not planning to go to the church. Do I want to carry those around all day? And the little voice will go, you need those keys. And I'll go, nah, psh, off I go. Four hours later, hey, can you meet me at the church? <laughs> can, but we're going to stand outside. <laughs> and I, and it, I guess it just gets me irritated enough that I'll make a change, right? I feel like I've missed it enough then I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm really going to listen next time. I'm really going to listen, and that voice seems so subtle sometimes. Seems so subtle t- sometimes. That you can look at it and go, eh, is that the Lord? Is that, should I listen to that? Should I not? And I, I err on the side of not. Some of you probably err on the side of yes. Good for you. I'm getting there. Pray for me. 
But it is through listening to the Spirit that, that, that we train our ear, that, that we follow through in those things, and that we are blessed when those things come through. When someone calls and says, hey, can you meet me at the church? And I go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have readied me, that I was obedient enough to listen when you called, that, that even in the little things, Lord, I show myself obedient. Because I believe that when we show ourselves obedient in the little things, that that begins to show God that he can trust us with bigger things. Because if he can't trust you with the little things, why is he going to give you big things? Right? And we like, to, we like to dream and we like to ask for big things. We like to say, Lord, just let me, let me lead that outreach. Let me just, I want to be out in front of that. And he's like, I, I can't get you to take your keys to the church when I ask you to. But you know, God is gracious, and he still lets us have the desires of our heart, right? And, and he is long-suffering, and he is patient. And he, he lets us make a mess of things sometimes, just so that he can come in and clean it up, and we go, oh, thank you, Lord, you rescued me again. When if we would listen to him the first time, and we would follow that leading the first time, that the results could be so much better. And I think the same thing is true of our life is that if, if we can really grab hold of that Holy Spirit and grab hold of how he, he speaks to us and how he wants to move in our life, and that if we can really listen to that and become obedient to that, we can start to move in the little things, and those little things like a snowball, I'm imagining, kind of picks up some momentum, and we string a couple of those little things together, and now suddenly what we thought was little things is actually a big thing. And those little things become important to other people, maybe even more so than us. But it's the Holy Spirit that, that has to work in our lives, and we have to be able to listen. We have to be able to take that direction, and we have to be able to follow it. And it's, the, and it's through the Spirit that, that the renewed man, his mind is made new through the Spirit. And it's where we get uh, 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 the transformed heart and become that, that new man. It's through that sanctification process. It's through the, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The counselor that says, leave that alone. And we, we so convicted of this lately, but, but letting go of self, letting go of our desires and our dreams. Adam, I mean, think about it. If, if your vessel is already full, you don't have room for anything else. And if you want to let go of, of the, the presence of the God, uh, let me try again. If you want to let go of the presence of the Lord in your life and you want to push the Holy Spirit out and take on more of the world, I don't know that the Lord objects to that. He doesn't like it. He doesn't appreciate it. It's not going to help you in life. But he's, he's going to let you wander off and do those things. And the inverse is also true, that if we want more of the Holy Spirit in our life. We want God to move and act and, 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 and for our lives and our walk to grow and be greater than it is today. We've got to go through this process of not only transforming our mind and, and having a renewed heart and having a tender heart, but we've also got to let go of self. We've got to let go of our own dreams and desires and how we want to do it and pick up the dreams and desires of the Lord. I've said it before, I'll say it again. When your desires become his desires, and let me try it again. When his desires become your desires, you'll have your desires. 
Because the Lord has a path for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the paths, plural, interesting, that I have for you. He already knows the paths that we're going to take. And I can imagine it looking like a, a tree, like a map, right? We're all starting where we're at here today, and we have all these decision points. And the Lord knows when you're going to be challenged. He knows the, the, the situation that's going to be in front of you. And I, and I think he puts that there, and he goes, well, is he going to listen today or not? He's going to walk on the path, the, the, the most desired path, where he grows the most and he gains the most. Is he going to do that today, or is he going to take the bypass this time again? And just like a map of streets, there's, there's a multitude of ways to get to the destination. And if you put it in on, on Google Maps or whatever, and you have it set, right, it's going to tell you this is the fastest way. I don't, I don't believe God's necessarily into speed so much as he is value. This is, this is where you're going to live the greatest life. You will follow my directions. It's not a straight path, and it's not the one that you might choose. But trust me, I know more than you do. I know where these paths lead. I know where the slowdowns are. I know where the construction is. I know where the pothole is that will swallow your whole car. And if you'll just follow these directions, if you will just listen to the voice, listen to the counselor that I've put on the inside of you that speaks from me to you, if you'll learn to listen and follow that voice, I will absolutely amaze you. I will blow your mind. I'll have you do more in more, more blessed, more thankful, more joy, more peace, more understanding than you can imagine. And I believe, I believe God wants to unveil so much in the scriptures, so much in his personality, so much in, in our lives and how he's going to use us. And it's this process of sanctification, of dying to self, of putting ourself aside, taking that direction and following it in obedience that's going to unlock those things. Because it's through sanctification we become more like Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 7, it says, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. Moses had the privilege of seeing the glory of God. He had the privilege of, of having such an encounter with God that his face physically glowed. And the sad part is the people saw it, knew he had had a, a supernatural, amazing transformation. And instead of wanting to be a part of it, they were intimidated by it. They were scared by it. And they asked Moses if he could put a veil over his face. They wanted more separation from the man who approached God, who saw God's glory. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, meaning the new covenant, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Shouldn't we expect 
now that, that the Holy Spirit, instead of it being an external thing that shined upon Moses, that made his face glow, is now an internal thing. It is the, the helper. It is, it is the one-third of God that lives within us. Shouldn't we expect to have a little glow about our lives? Shouldn't we expect that there be something different if we have the Holy Spirit living in us? Shouldn't people see us and go, what is that about you? There's something different about you. And we know now, in, in hindsight, that people ought to be drawn to that. But how many of y'all have had the experience that you say you're from a church and people are like, ah, I don't want anything to do with that. Because they've had some negative experience, they've had something that, that didn't work in the past, they've got some hurt from the past, and instead of being drawn to the glory of God, they would just want to get away from it. I don't want that light to shine on my life. Because if it does, I might have to change something. I might have to choose a different direction. Verse number nine, in the old way which brings condemnation, if the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Dropping down to verse 18, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That Spirit that lives within us ought to be pushing us towards Christ every day. If we will, if we will but heed the direction and, and the counsel that, that we are given, if we will simply listen to, to our lawyer, if you will, on a day-to-day -day basis, he will push us towards Christ. He will push us towards that glory, towards that glow that Moses had, towards that presence with the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He pushes us and pushes us towards that image of Christ so that we can reflect him in greater glory. Not for us, but we want to reflect Christ. We want people to look at us and see the reflection of Christ. But there's a problem. And if you've been in church at any time at all, you've probably seen it. This process of sanctification is imperfect. Maybe the people who are sanctified are imperfect. Because, you know, when you're, when you're first saved, there is an eagerness and a hungerness to, to grow and learn. But as time goes by, things become more familiar. And we hear those same stories, right? And, and we listen to those preachers, and they say kind of the same thing. Maybe a little different every time, but they say the same thing. And we find at some point that we kind of grow to a point, and then we plateau. And we don't draw closer to Christ. We don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We don't follow it. We don't, we're not, no longer advancing, but we've plateaued. All of you have probably seen the, 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 the people, if you've been in a church for a long period of time, that, that same person can sit there on that same pew in the same spot and deal with the same issues year after year after year, never changing. And the problem is not with the Lord. The Lord wants us to be free of those things, wants us to live the best life, wants us to, to move in glory and draw close to him. But the problem is when the people. And I got some revelation about that this week. 
Nathaniel, if you got those pictures ready. Nathaniel and I took a little trip this week. For him, it was the end of one school semester going into another. It was a good break for him. For me, it was just a good time to take a break. And so we, we started out on this, this journey just looking for some place to go, right? Looking for a, kind of a new experience, something new to do. And um, you can put the first one up there. So this is what we did. I, I didn't realize it until I started stumbling across some things, but Route 66, the iconic um, road that runs out through the desert in Arizona, the road that the, uh, the little Cars film is made after, actually runs all the way to Chicago. And I didn't know that before maybe a week ago. And so I thought, well, how, how neat would it be to, to go along Route 66 and just kind of see the sights? And so I started looking, and, and we found, it's going to seem silly. You can laugh. It's okay. Not going to hurt my feelings. But, but one of the first things we found is this picture, and it'll come up here in a minute. But it's this picture of um, Paul Bunyan. If you remember the story of Paul Bunyan, Paul Bunyan was this lumberjack. Well, someone had taken the axe away and put a big hot dog in the, lumber, in the you know, Paul Bunyan's hand. And it was this great, like, statue for this restaurant where they served hot dogs. And so we thought, oh, we got to go see this. And so, um, and so we found that. We found some other things along the way. Um, but it was a piece of kind of Americana, right? And we know that, that Route 66 used to be this road that everyone traveled. Um, and we learned a little history on, on the way. And, um, and not perfectly, but... Um, in 1922, they started paving the, the road that eventually became uh, Route 66. And, um, and this road, of course, went from little town to little town, right? And if you can imagine an automobile in the 1920s, and you start out initially with, like, dirt and gravel, and people were making the journey from Texas to Chicago, from out in California to Chicago. And, and you can imagine the roads, especially after it gets some rain, are just ruddy, bouncing around. I'm sure you've all seen the old films of the Model T just all over the place, right? But yet still rugged and moving. And so you, you had a glimpse into kind of the past here. Well, they started paving it in 1922 with teams of horses. And they were dragging graders behind the horses to level out the ground before they came in and poured concrete. And there, there's a portion here, that's Paul Bunyan, there's a portion here that was poured in 1922 that you can still go and drive on today. And it's off the main road, you have to make a turn, there's no traffic here. The other side of the road, what would be behind the, the picture here, goes into a, um, just a field um, where they've, they've bypassed that section of the road. But... The thing that was, was interesting to me and the thing that stood out to me, um, and this is the piece that the Lord gave me this morning, is that this, this used to be the well-traveled path. And you can see that the grass has moved in. You can see that the, you know, it's, it's not maintained anymore. There's cracks in it, and it's you know, slowly fading away. And the reason for that is, is the interstates. The interstates came along in the 50s. 
But what the interstates did was bypass all the little stops along the way. And it became less about the journey and more about the destination. And so I wonder if the same thing doesn't happen in our hearts that way today. Is that we get so focused on the destination that we forget that life is really a journey. We forget that in life there's all these little stops along the way. And much like Route 66 and all the little, um, little gas stations you pass and all the little restaurants that you would pass, all those things were put on the side to get to the destination. And I wonder what those little things are in our life that we get so focused on the destination. We get so focused on, on just making it to heaven, just getting to the end of the journey that we've really lost sight of the fact that we're on the journey every day. And all those little towns and things that you would have seen on the old Route 66, all those little things that we would see in our own lives if we would dare stop and ask for directions, are filled with people who love to talk, people who love to share. But I can't help but think about our lives in how many opportunities have we missed because we're, we're so focused on getting our work done, on, on getting to the, the end of the next day of our responsibilities that we've not stopped to talk to the waitress at the restaurant. We've not stopped to visit with our neighbor. We've not, not taken the, low, the road less traveled, if you will. And that road that, that once was intended to bring life, that once was full of life, that, that road that, that used to carry traffic, used to carry all of these interactions with people, where the car was broken down on the side of the road and, and people that, that honestly probably dress a lot better than we do today would stop and help each other out and wipe their hands off on their handkerchiefs. All those opportunities that the, you have on, the, on Route 66, the old road with lots of turns and twists in it where you had to slow down a little bit and you had to really pay attention to the people and the places along the way. How much of that are we missing in, in today's busyness? How much of that are we just on the bypass of life, just going around all of these things? Because, you know, when you're, when you're a new Christian, you want to stop. You want to stop at every story, and you want to know who every person is in the text, right? You want to go to every prayer meeting because, you know, you're interested. There's some awareness, right? And over the years, we get familiar, and it's like, well, just another prayer meeting. I can, I can miss this one. You know, I, I got this little itch, this bug bite I got. I'm pencil irritated. I don't want to go, right? We can find any number of excuses not to come. So we've got to set the busyness aside. We've really got to make time for the Lord. Again, if your vessel's already full, you can't receive. You can't get more. We've got to learn to put time aside 
We've got to learn to put our desires, our dreams, all that stuff aside to make room for the Lord. And that's not to say it has to be zero. But I would say if if you're not making room for the Lord, what are you making room for? So we've got to be intentional about getting out of the busy lane, rekindling the interest in all those little things. Some of those little things are the best things. Reading about the paraclete and how it's the counselor and not, not a lay on the couch, tell me your feelings kind of counselor, but, but a legal counselor who's going to be with you and go, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Hey, there's a reason why you feel like that's a bad idea because it is. It's a little thing. It's in the definition of a word. But you know what? It changes my view of the Holy Spirit. And it changes it to the lawyer who's in heaven, who's on my side, who is constantly trying to keep me from harm, keep me from going afoul of the law that I can choose to ignore. I can choose to ignore. I mean, in this world, people do it all the time. But we've got to be intentional about listening to the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit's direction. And we've got to decide that we're going to consult the Holy Spirit on everyday journeys. So stand with me this evening, or this morning, or midday, or whatever it happens to be. So if you walk away with nothing else today, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is your counselor. He is your legal counsel in the court of God. And if you listen to nothing else from the Holy Spirit other than the words that he shares to keep you out of court, listen to that. But I believe that the Holy Spirit would have us get off the highway of life, get onto the back roads, go a direction that we would not choose to go on our own. I believe the Holy Spirit is looking at the map of life and all of those many paths that the Word says are before us. And he's looking three decisions ahead and goes, well, if you do this and do that and do that, wow, right here, wow. But we've got to learn to listen to that voice. We've got to learn that when he speaks, we need to act. And there's an obedience there. And there's got to be a familiarity there with the Spirit. And to some, that makes people uncomfortable to talk about being led by a Spirit. And there's a piece that I don't understand because the same people who would be uncomfortable with the Spirit of God leading their lives, whispering in their ear, sharing them which direction will go, will be the same ones that are offended because a witchcraft store opens up in Coloma. They're the same people that can look at someone who is evil and can say a spirit of evil is on them but can't receive the spirit of the Lord for their lives. But the Lord has promised that when we repent and are baptized, there is a promise of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
is up to us to walk together with the Holy Spirit. Yes, the destination is the same. The ultimate goal is to get us to heaven. But the direction might be different than what you would choose. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.